Hey, thanks for watching this morning. If you're listening to our podcast, we want to say thank you. And apparently we're uh, over in Hungary as well. Uh, people are listening on the podcast. So uh, cheers to you guys over there. Most importantly, we want to say um, to the Hubbard family that we're praying for you, um, that we love you. Uh, I know that Stacy lost her dad this past week. So uh, thankfully, Papa Walker uh, is in heaven. So anyway, something that we do uh, to kick off each year is to talk culture, and specifically the culture at Southridge. Uh, our church is unique because our culture is unique to other churches. Now, it's not better, it's just different. So if we could define culture, we would define culture this way. It's the mission, vision, and values of an organization our mission is probably the same as many churches, whether in our area or no matter where they are around the world. It's to make followers of Jesus. And we take his cue from Matthew 28. Jesus says, I want you to make disciples of all nations. And so that's what we're doing now. We say it a little bit differently. We say our mission is to inspire people to follow Jesus. Our vision piggybacks off of that. And our vision is creating spaces for people to be inspired to follow Jesus every day of the week. Now, our values piggyback off our mission and vision, and our values are going to be different than other churches. So this series, we're going to look at four values that makes our church distinct from other churches in our area and around the country. If you're looking for a church and want to know what they value, take a minute to follow the money. Yes, follow the money. Where the money goes shows what they value as a church. Now, I'm so proud of our church. Um, in 2020, it was, a, it was a year to remember. It was a historic year. Our church gave over 12% of our operating budget outside of our doors. We supported nonprofit organizations. We supported church planting. We supported uh, people who were going through hard times. And if you're interested in seeing what else we did, you can access the report in the live chat. So we have our annual report there, and we're also going to send it out on, uh, in Thursday's email. Well, look, today we're going to continue our series, Good Culture, with Made for Monday, Saved for Sunday. So five months before the pandemic, there was a Gallup poll done to get a picture of how U.S. employees viewed their jobs. Now, you might be thinking, pollsters, seriously? I know, they completely blew the 2020 election, but I do believe that this poll is fairly accurate based on the conversations I've had with people over the last couple of years. Now, I believe it's an accurate picture on how people feel about their jobs. Now, again, pollsters totally blew the 2020 election, and it doesn't help if you pull 800 people. So in this poll, they pulled 6,600 people. So here's what three things came out. One, less than half were satisfied with their job, even with unemployment at a 50-year low. Second thing that came out, almost 60% of employees received a pay increase in the last five years. And number three, 11% said that pay has gotten worse for them. So out of those three things, it's pretty clear that job quality is closely related to income. So the more you make, you tend to be happier with the more you make. So even months after the pandemic, we have those without jobs. Many would take their job back in a heartbeat if it meant providing for their families. We know that restaurants, theaters, and hotels were hit the hardest. Now, I know of a small group leader who was 
listening to the men in his group this past summer. And this is sort of how he tells the story. They were sitting around, they were discussing the pandemic. And one guy spoke up and said he'd rather have the virus than lose his business. Odds were on his side uh, of getting the virus and recovering, but odds were stacked against him, even with the PPP of reopening his business if he had to shut down. Some of us may be able to relate to that small business owner. You may. I know that there are people in my life that I've seen that are close to me, and they have gone days without sleeping so they can provide for their family as questionable restrictions have been put in place. Look, we've come a long way since March when the pandemic hit. And as more and more people are going back to work, I think it's really important to, to really ask ourselves three questions. Why work matters, why it should be something that we enjoy, and why it's part of our culture at Southridge. So what better way to kick off and to find out why than to go back to the beginning of humanity's story? I guess I can still say humanity, huh? All right, so this is what Moses writes in Genesis. The Lord God, and I love the phrase Lord God because it's God's personal name, formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees to grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to do two things, to tend and to watch over it. Now, God was intentional with planting this garden. He was intentional. He was very intentional. Now, whenever you plant something, you're intentional, hopefully, with planting it because you're expecting a certain fruit or a certain vegetable or a certain kind of flower to come up. When the pandemic started, we built a we built a raised bed. Now, honestly, I've had zero success with planting anything. I mean, either something dies still in the ground or something dies after it breaks the ground. I mean, we've, I've even had someone plant something for me. <laughs> and they gave it to us to keep going. And we still killed it. But believe it or not, Jenny ended up taking over. And she did a great job with it this year. Almost everything we planted turned out as expected or even better. It was pretty cool. Just thinking back to the Garden of Eden, God was intentional. He was intentional with planting this garden, and he gave the purpose of this garden. Now, God placed Adam in the garden to do something. He placed him in the garden to rest. The Hebrew word for placed literally means to settle down or rest. When, when we use the phrase settle down, it, it could mean a one of three things. If you're a parent, <laughs> I'm sure you've told your kids to settle down. They're, you're trying to calm someone down from uh, because their emotions are running high. We tell our kids to settle down. We tell our students to settle down. I don't know about you, but I know I tell my football team to settle down as I'm watching them on the TV screen 
guys, guys, settle down. You, you've got this. Or maybe that's just me. The second thing we used with settling down is getting married or starting a family. And then we also use the, the phrase settle down to talk about retirement. Now, the meaning is not coming from chaos, like calming someone down when emotions are high. Instead, it's coming from a place of peace, like the last two examples. See, God already took the chaos in the first few verses of Genesis, and he turned it into order. Adam was entering a peaceful environment, the garden. It it was peace. Remember, Moses describes it as everything was very good. The garden was relaxing, and any work was free from anxiety of st- or even the stress of a timeline or a time frame. Rest included work. Rest doesn't mean not doing anything. What it means is it's doing things without pressure, without stress, anxiety of deadlines, time clocks, and contracts. And this is why when we rest, we attempt to stay away from the office. We don't check emails. And we do everything we can to block that schedule, that time away. Work got complicated after Adam and Eve sinned. The earth fought back because the result of their sin was in full effect. More on that in a moment. Rest included two things, tending and watching. Tend meant to serve or worship and then watch meant to guard or keep. I mean, God set Adam up for success. I mean, <laughs> he did everything. And all he wanted Adam and Eve to do was to keep it beautiful and keep it producing delicious fruit. Now, tend and watch, it, it means work. Even in a place of rest, even in a place of peace, work was something that God meant for us to do. We, you and I, we were made to work. And work is serving God. Work is a form of worship. Work was to be enjoyed. And I know some of you might be thinking, yeah, right. Yeah, work was meant to be enjoyed. Now, later in Genesis, Moses writes that God commanded Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it, and to rule over the fish, the birds, and the animals. See, God's purpose for humanity was more than just farming. God's purpose for humanity was to push the limit of what we could do. Push the limit of what we could do and turn the entire earth into a showcase of his glory and wonder. Look, Adam was meant to rest in the garden because he was living in and under the the presence of God. Simply, he was doing what he was called to to do but when sin entered the picture work changed but yet we're still made to work it just got harder see adam and eve when they got kicked out of the garden they experienced the full consequences of their decision the earth was falling apart we read about adam dealing with thorns and thistles and weeds but the cool thing is is that God was still present. Even though his relationship and God's relationship with humanity was broken, God was still there. God provided knowledge on how to, how to farm, but now it was just difficult to enjoy the work because it was so hard. 
one day God is going to get us back to the place of rest, the place of peace in the new heavens and the new earth. Now, in the meantime, we deal with our own thorns, thistles, and weeds. You do, and I do. Guys, work is tough because the earth is cursed. Not everything is going to work out. Not everything is going to go as planned. We'll deal with failed contracts, missed quotas. We're going to lose a client. Guys, there's going to be doctors. They're going to miss the diagnosis. You're going to experience conflict with coworkers, and, and, you, and you may even get fired. See, these things happen because we live in a dying world. Things and people, they're not perfect. But this doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It just means that he's there with you when things are going to be hard. See, work is affected by the fall, and, and it will be until God renews the heavens and the earth for eternity. Guys, in the meantime, when things are hard, we have to be, remember that God's present with us, that God is with us. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit being present in you allows work to be seen as a calling, as a calling to serve him. Guys, work is not going to be perfect, but it can still be purposeful. Work may not be perfect, but it can be purposeful. Notice what Paul writes to encourage followers of Jesus. Work willingly at whatever you do. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Again, it's not going to be perfect. Work is not going to be perfect, but it can be purposeful. See, being a farmer is no less honoring to God than being a pastor. Whatever you decide to do in your place to provide dominion over the earth, as he's called us to do, our approach is see work as serving God. Simply, work is a form of worship. You know, following Jesus at work, when work is hard, no matter where you work, it allows an opportunity for others to see your faith in action. This could have an eternal impact on someone who is yet to follow Jesus. Now, not only are we made for Monday, but y'all, we are stayed for Sunday. See, we serve God every day, whether we work or whether we serve others. The best picture of God's renewal is what happens in you and in others. See, when we become followers of Jesus, we're now part of his church. The church is the best picture we'll see of a group of people with different hues and different views willingly and wanting to put all of that aside and surrender to Jesus as a leader of their life. Look, when we gather together as one, whether on Sundays, online, or on a weekday, in groups, or in a larger gathering that we'll be doing in March, we are providing a picture of life in a garden. It's peace rest notice what peter writes he says god has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts use them well notice this to serve one another when we gather together we are able to serve god by serving each other there will still be difficult people there will still be challenges there will still be uncertainty, anxiety, 
and stress. But as we gather, the Holy Spirit provides you, provides me spiritual gifts to support each other out of love. That we are able to encourage each other. We are able to pray for each other. We are able to learn from each other. And we are able to worship God together. And the reason is, is because you and I are willing to put ourselves in that place, in that opportunity to experience those things together. Our church never closed. I mean, even when the school shut down, our church wasn't shut down. I mean, we were busier than we've ever been. I mean, we're offering online gatherings, in-person and online small groups. The opportunity to connect is there. Yet we've had people upset because we weren't meeting on Sunday in person at the school. Guys, Sunday is only a glimpse of the total Christian experience. Like, I believe meeting on Sunday is very important. Even if it's online because the school was shut down to outside organizations right now. I believe it's important that we are meeting together on Sunday. When the New Testament was written, the first day of the week, Sunday, was a day that the church gathered together to celebrate the first day witnesses saw the resurrected Jesus. It was about renewal. It was about a clean start. It started with Jesus and it continued with them. Sunday provided people hope that one day God was going to get us back to a renewed earth without sin. He was going to get us back to that place. When we gather with other believers, it should be rest. When we gather, it's a place where we can be ourselves. We don't have to put up a front. We don't have to be pretentious. When we gather, we are inspired to follow Jesus with more meaning and more depth. When we gather, it encourages us to push through the difficulties of the work week. Man, that's why I love Sunday. I feel like it's a a restart. I love group. I feel like I'm encouraged. Look, Jesus modeled this to perfection when he served his father and he served others in his life. Now, work and volunteering are serving God. We've come a long way from March when the pandemic started. As you go back into work tonight or tomorrow or Tuesday, hopefully it's it's clear why work matters, why it should be something that you enjoy, and why it's part of our culture at Southridge. So, So let's recap. Why does work matter? Well, work is serving. Work is an act of worship. Why why should work be something you enjoy? Well, work is a calling on all of our lives placed there by God. How about this one? Why is work part of our culture? Well, serving is how we support each other as we follow Jesus. Serving, it it provides an opportunity for, for someone who is yet to follow Jesus, see what serving like Jesus looks like. Man, I know that we value conversation at our church. That's another value. So for all of us, I would like us to ask these three questions. One, how can I see work as an act of worship? Two, what is keeping me from seeing work as a calling? And number three, how can I serve someone at Southridge, whether on a team, 
whether providing a meal for someone, maybe for praying for someone, or maybe being in a group with someone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to take those questions to heart. Help us to ask those questions and actually provide honest answers. Father, I do think about the person who has been doing their best to sidestep a group. And I just ask that you help them to have the courage to step into a group. Father, I know there are people that are listening and watching that are frustrated with their lives. They're frustrated with work. They're frustrated with how they just feel alone. And God, we know we have opportunity for them to feel a sense of purpose and a sense of identity that they're not alone. And so God, I'm asking that today as we do group launch, that people are willing to take a step into a group. Feel like they're part of something. Because God, in the end, we're all going to need the church. Something is going to happen in our lives that we need the church. And so Father, help people to be proactive. Help people to be playing offense on this and not doing, um, not playing defense. And so God, we give, we give you the authority right now. I mean, God, we, we just really surrender to you that you are moving people into a place where they'll step into a group. And God, we love you. Thank you for allowing work to be part of our calling. And God, we surrender our week to you. In Jesus' name.